The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Eight minutes after eight here on the Forum at Eight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, today we are going to engage in a very, very interesting discussion. And I think one that is long overdue because there are just certain things in society, um, you know, that we tend to address at a glance, you know, as and when something happens, we actually pay attention to it. So our focus today, our discussion will focus on albinism. Now, albinism is a genetic condition. And um, as we understand, it's inherited from both parents. And it's something that occurs worldwide, regardless of ethnicity or gender. And it occurs when one of several genetic defects makes the body unable to produce and distribute melanin, uh, which is the substance that gives color to our skin, hair, and eyes. Now, while this is a, a genetic issue, people with albinism are at risk of social isolation because the condition is often misunderstood. Old beliefs also um, reign uh, regarding people with albinism, and uh, different cultures around the world have uh, sometimes shocking stories and um, myths that are uh, told and also uh, stigmas that are perpetrated against people with albinism. So on the Forum at 8 this morning, we want to take a closer look at albinism and we also want to ask you, um, looking at what is going on, what do you think? What should be done for us to actually make sure that people with albinism are not discriminated against in any way, shape or form? So we're going to take a look at the myths, at the facts, the challenges and, of course, that stigma that is attached to what is essentially a skin condition. And uh, joining us uh, for the uh, discussion this morning, we have with us Her Excellency uh, Uche Ajulu Okeke, who is the Nigerian ambassador to South Africa. Consul thank- General. Uh, Consul General, thank you so much for coming through. Thank you. And we also have with us uh, Tando Hopa, who is a model and um, also public prosecutor. Thanks for coming through as well, Tando. Thanks for having me. And um, uh, just uh, to make it clear that both of our guests this morning are people uh, who um, live with albinism. Now, for the life of me, you know, just thinking about it and and reading last night, story upon horror story about some of the things um, that are done, you know, um, atrocities perpetrated against uh, people with albinism. I couldn't for the life of me start to... Um, you know, think what it must be to live with albinism. But maybe our guest this morning will help us traverse this path. Um, Her Excellency, maybe I could start with you. Thank you. <laughs> so, 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 you know, um, b- being a person with albinism, you know, does that, how does that complicate your life on a daily basis? Well, uh, depends on what stage of life you are in. But uh, for a school child, in my years of growing up as a student, it was a very, very difficult period of my life because by that time, there was no advent of computers and the Internet as we know it today. So growing up sitting in a regular classroom with other kids and I couldn't see the blackboard or read what the teacher wrote on the blackboard was very traumatic because, you know, children are sometimes very cruel to other children because they don't have the sensitivities of adults. So they made all kinds of uh, uh, jokes and laughs and stereotypes 
had been that uh, but for the support of my parents would have conditioned my personality, which is where it is very important that persons living with any form of disability have uh, family support. You know, so uh, impacted on my daily life as a child, yes, it was very traumatic and difficult. But as I grew up and persevered, and uh, my dad gave me the formula to uh, overcome uh, sensitivity, so I overcame it early. And uh, growing up in those days, I remember coming back every day crying that uh, my fellow students and classmates and persons that I thought were my friends were calling me all kinds of names, ranging from red pepper to uh, pig fat to uh, unfortunate European to uh, all kinds of things, all kinds of stereotypes were labeled against me. And uh, they also had... uh, all kinds of songs that they used to sing. You know, these are little kids who sang in choruses and jeered at you and made fun at you. And so I didn't like to go to school. And so my dad told me on one of the days I didn't want to go to school. He says, you know what? When they sing, why don't you join them? And it dawned on me. I said, okay, I'll try that. And so instead of hating the songs that used to be sung about me. I learned those songs. And whenever they started in the class, I joined and I became the cheerleader. And then that hushed everyone else. Say, wow, she's not angry. And so gradually the songs disappeared. And that was the beginning of my complete integration and acceptance. So when I came to terms with social exclusion and Uh, promoted it and talked about it with my friends and sang about it. I say, hey, let's sing that song about red pepper. And they would say, (laughs) no, why do you want to do that? Then I say, you knocked at the bathroom and someone said, who's that? You say, it's the unfortunate European. And they say, wow, why do you want to say that? But if So when they saw that uh, I had come to terms with it and now it was me now who was telling them what they said about me, I got the reverse reaction. It made them uncomfortable. Yes, I got the reverse reaction. And so I think that uh, for persons living with albinism, you used to learn to, to persevere through the challenge. That has been my life experience. But as I grew up and uh, persons came to terms with what I could offer, in my school, my career, and my job, it made all the difference. Mm. And were you the only uh, person um, in your school who had albinism? No, I have a twin sister who is also albino. Oh, so it was the two of you? Yes, but um, also we had uh, a group. My father made me join the the, the research that was being conducted by a famed uh, Nigerian dermatologist, Professor Anezi Okoro, who was working with the American Society for Albinos in those days. And they came and did a research on albinism, and they brought together a bunch of us in those days from my area in Nigeria. And uh, I noticed that uh, a lot of the others were very, very hostile because what social exclusion does to you is to make you introvert and also brings out a a defensive hostility in you against uh, society. And most of other albinos I met at that fora had this attitude. 
and uh, I had to help the research team to convince them to work with the team. A number of them opted not to, but I was also able to talk a number of them into working with the research team. And I remember the the members of the research team from the United States being very happy with me and telling me that I had a, a remarkable personality. I said, yes, thanks to my dad, who made all the difference. Indeed. <laughs> Tanda, what were your uh, you know, days like as a youngster growing up? Actually, I had um, a lot of similar experiences. With regard to how I survived them, I'll say my parents really played a fundamental role. Um, I'd go to school, I mean, for the first couple of months, I really had no friends. Um, Kids just made fun of me. And funny enough, I actually grew up in a predominantly Indian community. But it seems that the same problems that um, black people have, also Indian people had with regard to albinism. Um, They also had their own superstitions. So I actually, I, I grew up in more or less a mixed community. And I actually expressed issues from, or experienced issues from both sides. Um, But my parents really, as I said, played a fundamental role in my life because I'd come back home and I'd say to my father, I hate the fact that I look so different and I'd cry and cry. And he'd say to me, but I've never seen such a beautiful girl in my life. You're the most beautiful girl in the world. And I tell you what, I'm looking at you now, both of you, and I'm not saying this because you are sitting here and you are my guest. But I looked at you and I thought, you know, what beautiful women you are. You really are beautiful. (laughs) So, 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 you know, did you see, so, so obviously you did not see yourself as beautiful because of everything that was being said to you. You know, the issue is that I I experienced such a contrast because before I went to school at home, I was in such a comfortable environment and I didn't know I had albinism until I left my sanctum, which was home, you know, and then it was like, oh, actually you do look different. And I was treated differently. And, um, And then I started developing insecurities that weren't there, you know. And normally if you develop an insecurity, it's somebody from outside that brings in that insecurity. I mean, when people say you've got a big head, you you never realize you've got a big head until somebody says you've got a big Mm -hmm. head, you know. So, um, So those were the societal issues that I had. And then I had practical issues I also couldn't see on the board. Um, they told my parents that, no, you know what, I think you should take your child to a special school because we just don't think that she can make the cut. And they, con- they considered me not very, you know, capable. And my mother said, no, my child is capable. And she took the time to investigate what the real issue was. And I really appreciate her for that because my teachers really, they, they didn't do that for me. So both my parents investigated the issue and ensured that I have visual aids and, and things like that in order for me to survive in school because if they hadn't done that, I wouldn't have known the, the problem, that the problem lies with my eyesight, not my 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 mind your mind as it were <laughs> yeah because and and and, and um, her excellency you are here and 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 you are wearing dark shades and 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 that's the other thing that struck me the beautiful shades that you are wearing so 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 you know uh, do you um uh, did you have the same problem do you still have problems with your sight yes albinism is a condition that lives with you throughout life but uh, you have there are various stages and ranges oculo Cutaneous albinism, when you have the skin and the vision albinism. 
And so, yes, I do wear shades because, as you know, the sun is the enemy of the albino. The blazing tropical sun in West Africa is merciless. So you wear shades, and I have gotten accustomed to wearing shades. So most of the time, I forget that I'm indoors. (laughs) (laughs) So I wear shades all the time. (laughs) But... um, as, uh, sometimes I my kids take them off for me, or you know, when you forget, when to. I forget to, <laughs> yes, uh, or the driver, or so people that live around me, they know I wear shades, and uh, you know, it's become a part of me. I think you know both of you um, have obviously been fortunate to have loving families, you know, strong support from uh, home. Because I'm reminded of a story that I read last night, um, you know, of one man who was actually sent to Cameroon by his brothers. Um, and they had actually sent him there with uh, the intention of uh, basically selling him off. So it's like sending your brother, get on a taxi, go and buy me something from someone at a specific place. Mm. But they would have already uh, concluded a transaction mm. for him to actually uh, be sold and then killed. Because the other uh, issue, the other thing that you know uh, we have to deal with and debunk is this myth about um, people with albinism having, you know, um, mystical powers and uh, their body parts being used for muti and the like because we also see that quite a bit you know coming up in the news a footnote somewhere an article somewhere in the newspaper um but you know it it is a very serious issue that needs to be dealt with i don't know you know if either of you um you know have had uh you know any unfortunate experiences or um uh, but pertaining to superstitions and uh, things like those or um you know whether you know of people who have been unfortunate to actually walk that path tando um well with regard to me i've had i've actually had sort of a dual experience but mostly it was negative experiences with regard to superstitions um, there were people who do, though, think that you are good luck, and the people who think that you're either bad luck or they think that you don't die. And the ones that think that you're bad luck, they actually spit in their tops. I never really quite understood the meaning of that. Um, it seems like it's quite diverse. Um, and part of the reasons they do that is they, they don't want to have a child who's like you. Um, I once had, um, I remember once I was coming back from school. And this lady just freaked out. She fell on the floor and um, and she started screaming. And she said, oh, my gosh, here's the devil's child. Here's the devil's child and what so on. And um, I wondered. I actually I looked around because I had no idea who she was talking about. And then she keeps pointing to me. And I was overwhelmed because I think I was about six or seven years old. And I didn't understand. And she's like, what's this child doing to me? What's this child doing to me? And she's throwing herself on the floor. And... And what surprised me then is nobody did or said anything. And I would think that our society, even then, was mature enough to actually tell that woman not to do what she was doing, you know. And I just walked home, and I never told my mother about the incident for years. And so, yeah, I've had my negative experiences. But then I wouldn't say when people 
consider you because when you walk into a taxi and then, you know, I've had a taxi driver say, oh, my goodness, oh, I'm going to get a lot of money today because, you know, you've brought me luck. Mm -hmm. I don't consider that as a positive thing either because whether people think you bring luck or you bring bad luck, uh, good luck or bad luck, it still, it still takes away the human factor. It gives you a supernatural factor that you don't actually possess. So I don't encourage it either way. Whether people consider you as bad luck or good luck, they shouldn't consider you as anything else but a person, you know. Mm. So, yeah. Her Excellency? Yes, well, you know that um, stereotype is something that you find in all cultures and in all societies. And stereotype comes from when you are different. If you are different, people treat you or regard you differently, or if people perceive you as different. Uh, in my experience, uh, I also had uh, a lot of people pinching me because they said if they pinched me or touched me, they probably would become white too. So people would pinch me and either look at their hands or pinch me and want to see whether the black on them rubbed off on me. And it was a very harrowing time too. But uh, in terms of... Uh, uh, rituals and superstition yes I have heard they exist but um, I didn't directly experience any of those growing up in terms of uh, superstition but I did I do know from my travel and research that yes they do exist because what my parents exposed me to was to do a lot of studies about uh, albinism so that I am able to cope with it and that was a very, very good thing. If you know what your issues are, you are able to cope with it. So I didn't experience directly, but I uh, walked and lived from very early years. I joined the American Society of Albinism. I joined the Nigerian one. And uh, in my travels, I also associate with uh, societies that I come across. So I have uh, had uh, the knowledge that, yes, these... Uh, conditions and uh, superstitions do exist but I haven't experienced them directly but I have also had cause to fund uh, uh, and assist uh, albinos who've run away from uh, slavery or who've escaped from um, ritual killings I've made donations to rehabilitate one or two persons you know who were trying to escape such trauma but for me, my social uh, environment, I must say maybe I'm, I'm lucky, you know, thanks to my parents. Indeed. And um, we're discussing albinism this morning, and we'd love to hear from you, you know, your experiences. Maybe uh, you have even been one of those people who's done something funny. Maybe you can explain to us where this comes from. Um, I'm looking at this tweet here from Spelele Dluda who says, I once saw a group of toddlers trying to undress an albino toddler so that they could see the batteries in his back. <laughs> you know, and, and, and they are just these weird and wonderful things that people believe. So let's talk about that. You know, Lele, let's try and understand what it is, because Her Excellency, earlier you uh, said something about uh, disability. 
is albinism a disability? Because, you know, it's all about education this morning. And hopefully we'll walk away from the forum this morning knowing a little more than we came in with. Um, just on the issue of disability, Her Excellency? Yes, albinism is a disability. It is a visual disability that impairs you. That is why sometimes they say you have visual impairment. And you are classified in some societies as the United States as being legally blind. And so for albinos in the United States, that is really where the system is relatively developed. You have albinos who are also uh, available to receive the same support as blind people under the United States Commission for the Blind. So, yes, albinism is a disability, and you have what you call high myopia. You don't. You have a, a six-inch range of vision. You can't drive. You can't cross the road without assistance. You can't read signs, and you can't see faces easily. But, of course, you develop your other senses to compensate for the loss of vision. And then now uh, you can stand in the sun for a long time. So albinism, yes, has its uh, restrictions. And yes, uh, it is a disability. Uh, Tando, the skin issue um, for you, and, and I'm immediately reminded of what was that Trevor Noah uh, thing, the day walker, and, and, and how Trevor Noah you know, puts a funny spin on it. But uh, did you think it was funny? Did, uh, how did you feel about that? I, I, you know what, I, I, I took it in the spirit in which it was made. I thought it was funny. Um, in fact, there was a there was a story he told that I, I actually, I could relate to. Um, I think I don't remember the joke very well, but I think he said that his grandmother was afraid to beat him because he just turned pink, and blue. <laughs> and he, the grandmother said, "I'm not going to beat your child anymore because your child turns all sorts of colors." And I also had the same experience. My my grandmother was terrified of, <laughs> of disciplining me because she didn't know she didn't know what what was going to happen when she did. You know. Um, but you know, I I think um, just on what um, Her Excellency has said with regard to albinism, I think it is better classified as a condition. But I think what it comes with is a visual disability. Um, but the thing is, I suppose the 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 reason why you'd rather classify it as a disability is because of the legal consequences that come with a disability. So if people understand it as a disability, then you could, um, especially with regard to, for instance, access to sunscreen in, in hospitals, if you classify it as a disability, then it will be easier to access certain things, you know. But I think, in essence, it's a condition. It just comes with a visual disability and, let's say, a, a heightened level of skin sensitivity. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we're discussing albinism. And I must just say, I'm, I'm, I'm really, um, you know, touched by some of the messages that are coming through and, and, and really encouraged by people, you know, trying to gain a better understanding and trying to, you know, get educated about albinism and, and maybe um, also, as we stated from the onset, try to debunk some of the myths around albinism. And uh, just a reminder for those who have tuned in late, our guest this morning, morning, Tanda Hopa and Her Excellency Uche Ajulu Okeke. So uh, we're taking your 
calls now on 891 uh, But before we go to the lines, I just want to read um, an S- uh, a few of the SMSs. Uh, Peter Wiley says, uh, your guests just put a lump in my throat and have brought tears to my eyes. And Tulani says, I salute those two ladies with no intention to offend. Have they ever ha- heard of the myth that people living with albinism just disappear when they have to die? And uh, Chifiwa asks that same question on Twitter as well. So um, I don't know which one of you would like to respond to that. <laughs> Um, well, I've actually had experiences where people have asked me that question. They've asked me, is it true that um, you... Actually, they said, I, I don't die. That's what they said. They said, well, is it true that you don't die? I suppose I'll only really find out when I die. <laughs> but, yeah. then, but then in, in all honesty you know, and seriousness, people actually do ask that question. They are actually curious. Indeed, because that's what Chifiwa is asking. He says, when I grew up, um, uh, people used to say, albino people don't die. They just vanish. So absolute nonsense. You know, they are people and like the rest of us. So if we die, they die. They die. Mm. (laughs) You know, so at least we've debunked one myth, I hope, for the morning. But um, you still wanted to say something, Tando? Actually, I don't know if um, any of the listeners could assist us with this. I'd really, I'm curious about the history of it because, I mean, I could only speculate, but I suppose it's because um, I know for the longest time when people had children with albinism because of so many issues that happened, they would hide their children. So perhaps somehow as time went on, because their children were mostly hid, they thought they never ah. died or some I don't know. This is purely speculation. Um, but if somebody knows, I'd like to find out. <laughs> but see, that, that that's a good explanation there. But, um, yeah, as you say, if anybody actually knows, mm-hmm. you know, what the genesis of this is, please do call us on 0891-104-208. And also, if you just have questions that, you know, maybe you want clarity on, um, things that you don't understand, that's what we are do- trying to do this morning. We're trying to debunk the myths. We're trying to, um, you know, highlight some of the challenges that are faced with uh, by people who live um, with albinism. So let's talk about it this morning. Peter in Durban, good morning. Morning, thank you for taking my call. You know, um, I'm just, um, I really, really salute the two ladies there and as, uh, one of the messages of the message I said, no, it's, it's, it's really, really touching. I'm really, really charged. I'm really emotional. Um, I think what really, really raises my questions right now is that I've never really, really uh, had a friend or, you know, someone who had albinism very, very, very close to me. But obviously at school, you know, you interact. But what the awareness that they just brought up, like, you know, when the lady was speaking that, you know, the teachers would actually, um, I think it was standard, that they would actually think that they actually are not capable because of, of, of being visually, you know, impaired. Uh, it, it just really, really raises a question now, you know, to the society that everyone uh, like, what is now the government doing? Uh, is it not a time now whereby, you know, when we have educators that they need to actually be be, 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 be being um, uh, like exposed or maybe taught or, or maybe given fundamentals of understanding children? Because right now we've got so many different um, uh, um, uh, diseases that are, are coming around, different, um, I mean, um, I wouldn't like to call them diseases, but different situations, um, uh, albinism, albinism, you know, is one of them. Like, do they have an understanding and and then now, even we reach the time now whereby those 
critical things are things that must be taken into account when they're being employed. That is my, my, my question. Thank you so much, uh, Peter in Durban. Um, I'm just going to try and run through a few, um, you know, callers and take a few questions and then we'll come back and answer them. Vusi in Germiston, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your listeners. Me, I just wanted to share my story that uh, I found people who are suffering with the albino. From the young age, I was fascinated with them. I see beauty in them. Unfortunately, when I grew up, even now working, I never had a chance to marry or have a, ch- a child with an albino. Because for me, for albino, I see beauty, and I'm just fascinated with them. And every time I come across a child with an albino, I'm, I'm, I'm just see beauty. Even if when we were young, there were some myths, but I used to go against uh, those myths. But I, I find albino to me as, as, as somebody that is a, a true beauty. Mm. No, thanks for sharing that uh, with us, uh, Vusi, in uh, Germiston. And we'll come to the issue of relationships in, 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 in just a moment as we respond to that. Um, Baki in uh, Cape Town, good morning. Good morning, good morning, and to your lovely guest into South Africa. The only thing that I would like to say is to say, wow, wow, what an inspirational um, inspiring talk um, you just you you having in your studio on SAFM this morning. You know, um, indeed, we have just debunked a whole lot of myths. We have just done so. And you know what? Um, once we thought we know so much about albinism, but I've just realized that there's still so much we don't know about albinism. And I'd like to say to your guest, thank you, thank you very much for honoring us. Um, that is now to come to our studios this morning and to teach us and to create so much awareness around this. That's the only thing I would like to say. You know what? In my next of kin, Bogang Motegi, he is actually also um, with, um, he has got albinism in him. I've seen this young man, you know, growing, and I can tell you a whole lot of things that have just been said this morning on our studio that is now on air. I can actually relate to them. I don't have albinism, but then my next of kin has it, but I can tell you a whole lot of myths have just been debunked. Thank you very much, SAFM, and God bless you. Thank you so much. Uh, Paki in Cape Town. Bukhote in Calvin, good morning. Hello, Sakina. Um, I, I believe it's uh, unacceptable and uh, derogatory to refer to people with that pigmentation problem as albinos, uh, and that uh, it should be referred to as albinism. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. Please uh, uh, rectify and clarify that point for me. Perfect. Uh, secondly, um, you know, at Metric, we had a, a very brilliant and efficient, uh, knowledgeable uh, uh, zoology teacher. And uh, he used to say uh, albinism, people with albinism have a, a photographic memory. And that uh, for that reason, they tend to be very intelligent and they don't have to exact themselves that much in their studies. Uh, can one of your uh, uh, guests there who, who has this condition uh, uh, um, confirm that, that uh, they had things easier in class and to obtain uh, progression <laughs> uh, educationally? Thank All you. All right. Bukhutsi, uh, judging by the guests I have in studio, I'm almost inclined to believe it, but it's about debunking myths this morning. Uh, let's hear from um, Tepiso in Cape Town. Good morning. 
Um, good morning, Sakina, and good morning to your guests. And um, I would first like to thank you, Sakina, um, for this um, discussion because I think our community really needs to hear um, and to be educated about disability in general. And then secondly, I just want to commend um, the two ladies for their bravery and, um, you know, their courage for all the challenges that they experienced when they were um, in school and, and also in the community as well. Because, you know, sometimes I find it very fascinating that even at toddler, like listening to some of the tweets that you're reading, that even toddlers, they were trying to undress a child with albinism. You, you know, I, I sometimes wonder how do, you know, human beings function in terms of the perception um, regarding when you see someone looks different, you think that there is something wrong with that person. And also, um, I just sort of forgotten the other, the young lady, uh, I'm sorry to address her in that way, yes, Tando, when she said that as soon as somebody um, uh, highlights or perhaps point out something that is different about you, then that obviously you will end up feeling insecure because you think that there is something wrong with you. I just want to ask the two ladies um, when, that when they were experiencing all this discrimination and um, the, the being ostracized, because it, it boils down to that, you know, in school, in communities as well, and maybe even extended family members, did they hate their, that experience and they, did they also hate the people that were treating them differently? You know, the reason why I'm asking that is that because I'm, I also have deaf parents and at school, I hated my schooling experience every single day because kids would ridicule me and treat me differently only because I have deaf parents. I just want to ask them and right. read that question with uh, your, your guest. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Tsepiso. And uh, Nontle Kubula is calling from Cape Town. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Thank you so much for this really topical issue. And I just want to greet Her Excellency and Sistando in the studio. Um, my name is Nomke Kupula. I'm part of the Western Cape Albinism and Hypopigment Foundation. I don't have the condition myself, but I work with people who have the condition. And this has absolutely been an educational experience, and we are so grateful because we are an NGO, and in this sector we try to educate communities about the condition, the genetic condition, and also just dealing with um, stereotypes in communities. And we really would like for you guys maybe to just join us one day in one of our local events. But we just wanted to say thank you. Our chairperson is a beautiful lady by the name of Ms. Sylvia Mama. She's got the condition, very confident person. We also have a lawyer in our organization, Mr. Narcis Kimbasa, and he comes from Congo, Brazzaville. So really the, the, the genetic condition is universal, as your guests have indicated. But thank you for the positive story. Thank you so much. That's all we wanted to say. Thank you so and much. And wish your guests all of the best. Absolute pleasure. Nomte uh, Kubula, they're calling us from uh, Cape Town. Um, Terry Ann in El Guadini, good morning. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to your two wonderful guests. And I would like to join my voice in with all the compliments that others have paid to them. I really, I really agree with all of that's been said. I would like to thank you for this program because it's been wonderfully helpful to me. I am I still on the line? Yes, you are. Oh yeah, fine. Okay. Uh, in 1986, or a bit earlier, I came out to a homeland in protest against apartheid. I have no problem with uh, relating to color people. As a matter of fact, of any color, because I, I don't see color. But 
I did have an attitude, and I still have it slightly towards albino people. You know, I'm uncomfortable. I have been very uncomfortable in the past. If I was in a group of, 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 of people and there were albinos, I wouldn't be the first to go and talk to them. And your program this morning has enlightened me so much, and I'm sure it has changed any, any still kind of attitudes that have been there deep down within me uh, against uh, albinos. So I would like to thank you, and I would like to thank them for their wonderful openness in what they shared Julie, with us this morning. Just yes. don't go away as yet. I, I, I just have a few questions, and maybe our guests would also sure, um, sure. You know, yeah. I'd like to ask some questions of you. What exactly is it that made you uncomfortable? Well, that I, I can never answer, except maybe it's because they're white, but they're not white like me. I do not know. I honest, But I've had that since I came to South Africa, which is years ago, in the very early 60s. And it has, it's not as bad now as it was, not at all as bad as it was. But as an adult, I mean, I'm facing it, you know, I can face it much better. But it is deep down, there is something there. What it is, I cannot say, you know, because I have albinos who have helped me with my maths. I have albinos who have done different things with me. It's not that I have been completely separated from them. I haven't. Mm. But even with that, for instance, the, the albino who helped me with my math, when I'm actually close up to them or when I'm related, I don't see much difference between them and myself. And yet there is that, you know, when I come in contact with an albino immediately, there is some deep down attitude there that hasn't yet left me. And uh, Terry Ann, thank you so much. We lost you there, but thank you so much for sharing that with us. On the forum at 8 this morning, we're talking about albinism, and there is uh, so much that we still need to respond to, uh, so many really interesting questions coming through. Um, our guest this morning, Her Excellency um, Uche uh, Ajulu Okeke and Tando Hopa. So let's just get straight to it. The first issue is that of names. But let me run through some of the SMSs uh, and then we'll respond to all of them. This one says, uh, thanks, Sakina, and the guests for a fantastic insight into albinism. Wow. Uh, Kaya says, I met my friend at junior high school. I only got to know that he had albinism when we were at tertiary. Hats off to him. And then uh, to the ladies in studio. And then this one says, I'm very happy with your program. May you ask your guest, why are all albinos uh, we say um, uh, those who have albinism are so intelligent uh, the, we've heard that question uh, the photographic memory will come to that Unati in East London says such an emotional and eye-opening topic on albinism your guests are superb and a big thanks to them uh, this one says during my primary school days in the 80s there was one child with albinism and it's very sad what that child went through not even the teachers protected him. And this one, hi, Sakina, does, do white people have albinism? And, and, and I think that's what we started off with uh, right at the top of the show, explaining, you know, um, what it is. But I saw a tweet here um, that, that, that perhaps addresses that issue very, very nicely from Kulu SD, who says education begets empathy. And when people are properly taught that albinism is congenital, it's a condition, it's a congenital condition, then they will understand better. So, uh, the, the yes, white people, it's not gender sensitive, it's mm. not race sensitive. Anybody and everybody across that spectrum can have albinism. Mm. So, uh, to answer that question. But let's get to the issue of names. 
And the one thing that is clear is that people are struggling, myself included, in terms of what we should say. How do we, uh, you know, address people with albinism? And because, you know, there are many terms that are being thrown around. Leswafi, uh, Mkau, you know, we all grew up hearing all of these names. But w- what is the correct way? How do we address people with albinism? Her Excellency? Yes, like I said, a stereotype and all societies treat difference differently or almost similarly. The word albinism in, is a medical term. In my culture in Nigeria, like um, Igbo, we call it Anyale. In Ghana, they call it Ufri. In uh, the houses of Nigeria, call it Bature. The Ibibios call it Mbakara. The Yorubas call it Afi. The, uh, I believe you guys say Leswafi. And if I say, I should say to Tenda, Rema Swafi. So you find out that all cultures have different, have stereotypes for describing people that are different from the majority. So it's a human thing. It's not uh, peculiar to South Africa or to Nigeria. So I experienced difference in attitudinal differences to me. I am very well widely traveled, being in the foreign service, and I re- recall that whether it's in Brasilia or in Brussels or in London, where if I'm studying with a group of people and someone were going to ask, please, how do I get down the next street? Even though I'm the foreigner among them, if it was a white person, they walked up to me who didn't know anything about anywhere of the city and asked me the question because people want to identify with who they think is like them. It's a human thing. And it's happened to me from the streets of Madrid to Barcelona to, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing. And uh, all living creatures have albinism. Mm. The white lions you see in the game reserve are albino lions. They... Uh, white squirrels you see in scientific research are albino squirrels and rats that are generally used in research. All cultures, all living creatures, snakes, lizards, I have come across in my research, albino snakes, albino lizards, everything has albinism. Albinism is a condition that when two recessive genes meet and mutate, they lose the ability to produce melanin, and it runs across the genetic composition of the organism, whether it's a human being or a lion or a snake or a squirrel or a rat. So everything has, uh, every living thing once in a while, you come across living things with albinism. Mm. So all cultures and all societies treat difference differently. And it's unfortunate that some of, because of uh, the lack of um, public enlightenment, we have not uh, come uh, a state of awareness where we know that albinos are people with disability who need help like uh, any other person. Yes, albinos are a little bit in, more intelligent than the normal human being because the other senses tend to compensate for the loss of vision. So they have a higher visual acuity. If you mm-hmm. became my friend, for instance, and I was very, very friendly with you and we spoke all the time, even if I went back to Nigeria and uh, you called me three years later and you said, hello, Uche, I would immediately know it was you without having heard from you in three years. 
those are the compensatory auditory compensations that the sense of hearing uses to compensate for the sense of sight. That is why you can say, yes, albinos have a higher level of retention than their normal uh, counterparts. So I want to urge... Um, I want to urge my fellow uh, 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 friends and well-wishers to say, yes, we are a Maswafi, and yes, we, are, we, we don't feel any different. I'm a very happy Leswafi. I am very happily married. <laughs> I have three beautiful children who are like their daddy. They are as black as you can, you can go. And uh, uh, they help me when things fall on the ground and I can't see them. They pick them up. And uh, my staff in the embassy, and we are a very big, happy family, and we don't see difference. You see, it's in the eye of the, the beholder. You know, we see the beauty in the person. We don't see difference. And I must say that I'm a very happy Leswafi, even in South Africa. Chado, <laughs> uh, from your side? Um, actually, uh, to be quite honest, Leswafi, I grew up it being a derogatory term. Um, the actual name in itself is not derogatory because it means something that is basically washed off and twists were failing, you know. Um, but it grew, when, as I grew up, it became, or it, the, the usage of the name was derogatory. And then you had Ingao, which is a monkey. And then you had Isishawa, which is a curse. And I believe that it's something that government should, should actually look at and linguists. Uh, we should get to a point where every language evolves, you know. Mm. And our languages should also evolve and get names for people who have albinism that are descriptive and that are inclusive, you know. Um, I mean, if you say le swafi, I mean, with most, with most, like for instance in Sotho, if you say mo zulu, mo Sotho, um, even a colored person is mo mala, you consider that person as part of your own, you know. So if we need to look at those things, if you say le, le, denotes a thing most of the time or something that's not part of, let's say, the Bantu or, mm. or the, the black people, you know. So you say Lehoa, which is a white person. That clearly, in that language, it indicates that this person is not necessarily part of us. If you know? I may interject, that's exactly what I say about difference. That's the stereotype that mm. comes with difference, seeing the albino as the other because they, they are not... Uh, uh, like you and I, they are not uh, in the majority. So it is to do a lot of enlightenment and change the, the perception. In all cultures where albinism are, are described, like I used, and I, I spoke about it in a number of languages, they are described all the time as the other. And even in English language where the term albinism is used, it's also a medical term that denotes some disability. So that is the thing about stereotype. Human so, so, so what do we stereotype. say? Well, what do we I say must, so as not to offend? No, I must add that in recognition of this, someone asked a question about government. Yes. The United Nations has denoted, I think, I think June 13, I think, as the World Albinism Day, I think. And okay. I, and my Tell way you what that, I'm going to do. I'm going to look up what uh, that date is and i'm going to bring you back because we we, we, we we there's just so much more that is being asked so much more that we still need to address you know people wanted to know about your feelings how do you feel because i do think we need to create greater awareness around this particular matter so with your permission i'm going to park it here and then we'll come back and we will discuss it uh, further at on that day 
that the United Nations has set aside. So um, with that, we're going to park it there. Thank you so much to our guests this morning, Her Excellency Uche Ujulo Okeke and Tando Hopa, and hopefully they'll come back. And thanks to you for your fantastic participation. Hopefully we'll have a part two of this particular segment. It's just after nine and time for news with Vabaksni Chetty Miller.